I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. The droids are clean, the vaporizers are patched, and the speeders fueled. It's time to pick up some blue milk and power converters. You're listening to Toshi Station Radio, brought to you by the Majestic Giraffe Network. Now here are your hosts for the Snarkist Podcast in Star Wars and Geek Culture, Brian and Nancy. of Anchorhead and on the shores of the Great Shot Flats, you're listening to Tosh Station Radio, the bright center in the universe for all things Star Wars and geek culture. I'm your host, Brian, and with me, as always, is my co-host and wife, Nancy. Hi! On today's episode, we're talking with our good friend, Tom, about life at Delray. We're about to get started, so sit back, grab some power converters, and enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, hey, Tom, how's it going? Uh, I am good. It's going well. How's everybody doing? Good. It's odd to be having you on the podcast when you're not planning our fates. Listen, Nancy, if you need me to tell you to roll dice, I can still do that. (laughs) I'll answer this question, but first you have to give me two green dice. Yeah. One purple. If you can pass checks, I will answer questions. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Hey, what's the uh, what's the dice pool I need to read these stingers? Uh, that's no, that doesn't require uh, a dice roll because it's such a mundane difficulty for you because you do it all the time. <laughs> I'm going to screw this up and then I'm going to have to uh, roll three and three green dice forever. Uh, yeah, a note from our sponsors. Tashi Station Radio is brought to you in part by our awesome Patreon subscribers. Click the link on Tashi-Station.net for more details and learn how you can support this show and the other shows on the Tashi Station Network. And we're also brought to you in part by Her Universe. Flaunt your world with Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, Transformers, Doctor Who, and other fandom-inspired wardrobe and jewelry. Click the link on our blog to purchase awesome geek gear and keep the lights running on the podcast. It's time for Fixer's Flash, the things we've been up to. Nancy, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been up to a lot. I reread Aftermath. Uh, because a little book is coming out next month called Life Debt, and I wanted to refresh my memory of the happenings of Aftermath, and because I haven't read it since it came out, and I read it during Dragon Con, so I was kind of distracted. A little better uh, when you're not uh, doing the Dragon Con rush? I will say I liked Aftermath to begin with. Um, it I really liked it a lot more the second time around. Um, I don't know why, I just... Maybe it was just having seen The Force Awakens, I could kind of make more connections than I had the first time around. Um, it was really cool trying to imagine uh, Temin as Greg Grunberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I highly recommend going back and reading after you've seen The Force Awakens. And Sinjir remains the best. And I'm really super excited for Life Debt. And I'm not just saying that because Tom's on the podcast because I say it all the time. You can't have an early free copy. I can't. No. <laughs> oh, I can't. <laughs> no. No. That's okay. Um, I am halfway through June's book club pick, which is The Cold Between by Elizabeth Bone Steel. And every time I say her name, I think it's the best sci-fi name ever. Um, and it's very good. Um, and as I said on the last book club, there's bonus sexy times in the, the beginning of it, so... I, Prepare I will, yourselves. <laughs> I will uh, borrow a sexy saxophone track from Danny over at Rogue Podron just Please for do. the podcast. Please do. Um, I finished reading first half of my book again because I 
tend to rewrite shit all the time. I need to stop doing that. But it's better now. So that's what's important. And finally, while I've been writing to Brian's utter delight, I have been binge watching America's Next Top Model because I can. <laughs> I know more about runway walks now than I ever <laughs> thought I would in my life. It's a fun show. You have to admit it. We're not admitting There's yet. worse reality television <laughs> out there, I suppose. Yeah, so if you're like me and you have a soft spot for bad TV, all of the seasons of America's Next Top Model are on Amazon okay, Prime. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm calling Nancy out here. You have way more than a soft spot for bad TV. What does that mean? How many bad shows do you watch? Uh, I don't really watch a lot anymore. I stopped watching the, watching the Duggars because obvious reasons why I don't watch. I couldn't watch Team Mom anymore for obvious reasons. Um, what do I watch? It's bad. Sex in the City isn't bad. I will refuse to say that's bad TV because that's sexist. <laughs> no, noted. <laughs> noted. So, yeah, that's what I've been watching. <laughs> Brian. Uh, I have fallen very hard for the tabletop gaming bug. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah, last Friday I GM'd my first game. And using, how did that go? Uh, it went really well. I need to uh, read up and brush up a little more on the uh, combat mechanics because I was winging it a little bit there. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, this was a dry run for Friday when we... Uh, bring a group of new players plus staff together to play <laughs> through the Age of Rebellion beginners game. And Tom, do you have any advice for Brian about GMing? Um, let's see. No, you know, <laughs> not really. I mean, every everyone GMs differently. Even people who, if you all sat around and kind of learned how to GM from someone and then went off to do it, you would all end up having different styles. So I would say, A, trust yourself. So don't think that because you're doing it differently than, say, I do it when we play of Dice and Droids or you, you know, someone else doing it differently from a podcast you listen to or show you've watched that you're somehow doing it wrong. Um, and, you know, if you're not having fun as the GM, then that's the biggest problem. So those are the two most important things. But other than that, just go do it. It's yeah, the, really I, the only I, way you can learn how to GM. I, I had a lot of fun uh, GMing that game on uh, Friday. Uh, so, yeah, well, this this Friday, it's uh, a special of Dice and Droids episode um, where I'm the GM and we're getting some new players together. And actually, speaking of Dice and Droids, I think we're recording tomorrow with the Merc team. Are we? Cool. I, I think so. Are I they think. finally going to get out of the spa? <laughs> Are they finally going to get to where they're <laughs> supposed to? They're technically like 72 hours behind you guys in time. <laughs> um, yeah, I was wondering about that. <laughs> I, I love it. We've been more efficient. Our team has been in nonstop combat for three episodes. <laughs> yeah. And the Merc team went to a day spa. It's my fault. You had to blow up a whole cantina. For more context of what we're talking about, check out one of our other podcasts of Dice and Droids. <laughs> uh, yeah, other than that, um, I've just been doing a lot of reading, playing in regards to tabletop gaming and having a lot of fun with that. And watching America's Next Top Model. While I'm doing tabletop stuff. <laughs> Tom, what about you? 
Um, I have been completely sucked into playing Overwatch, the new team-based first-person shooter. I was Blizzard. wondering when that was going to get you. Yes, put out last <laughs> week. It is it is absolutely the epitome of what a team-based uh, first-person shooter should be and was always trying to be all it like it's it is so unbelievably good there's 21 characters that all feel more or less perfectly balanced i mean yes there are some elements here and there that obviously will be tweaked as time goes on but for to have 21 completely unique characters that actually all feel viable and all feel connected is just it's mind-blowing um so i've been playing a ton of that um tons of rpg stuff going on with of dyson droids and i've got some home games that i've been doing some work for um and then i've just been uh very uh in deep to playing a whole bunch of the board games that i have uh both at my apartment and among my friends i was sort of in a lull of not playing a lot of board games for the last couple months but i've been almost playing probably one or two games at least a week which is a pretty good clip and i've got a whole bunch of money tied up in kickstarter games that um <laughs> you know means more more board games in the future <laughs> okay uh, also listeners i will say do not tell me to get the x-wing game from fantasy flight i do not have that kind of income <laughs> x-wing minis yeah oh, dude, you should totally invest in some minis i got them all over my desk <laughs> I can't. I know that will become a huge financial suck for me. I would fall for that hook, line, and sinker. I can't, I can't do it. Pool. 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 Yeah, I would say pool over minis, but then minis. <laughs> then pool, minis. then minis. Then you can play minis in the pool. There we go. <laughs> uh, nice. Okay, so hey, what's new on the blog, Nancy? Uh, we've got a bunch of podcasts up we have the book club number three which was about bloodline by claudia gray and we have Und of dice and droids number five which was called living on a prayer because we're tom, halfway there i uh, i don't know are we halfway there tom <laughs> um no okay <laughs> good uh and western reachers number six uh, is up um actually speaking of western reaches tom you should totally go on with them to talk overwatch oh god yeah oh man uh, we'll see if if the if um saf and megan would need someone to talk overwatch i'm always available i will probably be playing overwatch while we talk about overwatch <laughs> see that's that's <laughs> like you played better. battlefront when you came on here to talk about battlefront totally yeah. <laughs> um, now, uh, we'll talk about the actual tweet later, but um, Dave Filoni kind of was a tease on Twitter last week. And um, so Bria wrote a post for about eight characters Dave Filoni could be teasing in Star Wars Rebels. And uh, just as an example, um, she has uh, Colot the Ewok. Uh Bro Jace, otherwise known as Bro Jace. If Bro Jace doesn't show up on Rebels, I quit. And uh, Cray Cray Crayfay, also known as Laren Crayfay. So. This podcast is brought to you by Rogue Pod. <laughs> yeah, but um, so you can go and read her post and decide whether or not she was trolling or not. Yes. We'll find out. Yeah. Uh, and also comic reviews, Star Wars number 19, Obi-Wan and Anakin number five. And I'm very excited because Poe Dameron number three is coming out this week. And I'm Do we ready. find out what's in the egg? I hope so. I'm very excited about what's in the egg. Also, uh, Agent Terex is awesome and I love him. 
Oh, and we should also mention this. We've got some panel recordings from AwesomeCon that went up today. Yes, that is true. Uh, Bria moderated the uh, Timothy Zahn panel. Um, and also there was a rampant speculation of Star Wars panel with um, she had uh, Jay from of Dice and Droids was one of the panelists. So um, go check those out. And also um, there's a very cool part of the Zahn panel where they he discusses legends and, um, you know, how what that basically it was the only thing they could have done with the expanded universe so you know we've heard this numerous times from many people involved in star wars but it's really cool to hear it from someone like timothy zahn if you don't believe us maybe you'll believe tim maybe you'll believe timothy zahn maybe probably not all right that brings us to deke's dirt news from around fandom celebration orlando tickets are on sale And even though I I didn't need to, I rushed the line as soon as they (laughs) went on sale to get my tickets. That's the Star Wars way. You had to do it. You have to rush the line. And we might not need them anyway, but just to be safe. Because it's in our backyard, so we have to go. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so they are on sale. Uh, Just head to the Celebration website. You can pick yours up there. The uh, VIP tickets are... Yeah. shockingly sold out yeah. but the uh four day and single day passes are still available yeah uh let's see dave filoni will be at celebration london along with two rebels episodes yeah and dave filoni had a cryptic tweet <laughs> yes so um if you haven't been living under a rock in regard to rebels lately there's been a lot of rumors and speculations about certain people who might be showing up in the show one of them being our favorite blue-skinned anti-hero, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, and he tweeted, I'm looking forward to seeing you all at Star Wars Celebration Europe 2016. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends. And the photo was of a book spine with the Star Wars logo on it. So, cue rampant speculation! That's what we do. Yes. We won't ask Tom to speculate, but I've already speculated and I'm doubling down. I don't care if I'm wrong. I want to be thrown. No one, no, you should never worry about being wrong with speculation. No one, no one's ever worried about being wrong. I, I don't care if I'm wrong or not because I, it's fun. And if I'm right, then I can go, yay. And if I'm wrong, I can say, oh, well, (laughs) I'm sure whatever they do is cool. But I want it to be thought <laughs> We know where Nancy stands on this one. He's not even my favorite. Like, he's not even my top five list of favorite characters. Well, Thrawn but... would be fun because it plays into the idea of season three being more military focused, which I'm very yes. excited about. Yes, I want, like, I want to see the Empire be, like, a big threat and, you know, scare the bejesus out of them. I'm all in favor of that. Yeah, like how Vader does, but without the Force. Exactly. Yes. And finally, this is not Star Wars, but John Boyega will be starring as in Pacific Rim 2, and he is playing Stacker Pentecost's son. You're very excited about this news. I am so excited. <laughs> this is my new everything. The question is, of course, does he need a pilot? 
<laughs> of course he does. And they need to cast Oscar Isaac as his partner so they can be drift compatible. <laughs> Everything I want. That would be amazing. Uh, I really hope they like they need to do that. They need to at least try to get him. Uh, I, I saw this going through my Twitter <laughs> timeline earlier, and there was like a couple random tweets from some uh, no name outlets. And I then Hollywood, tweeted you. And then, well, yeah, and then Hollywood Reporter yeah. dropped it. It was like, holy crap, that's happening. Yeah. I, I can't wait. I loved Pacific Rim. Is Pacific Rim the best movie ever? No, but it's a wonderful love letter to the kaiju film that does everything it should do. So if you haven't seen it, see it. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I mean, I just love the fact that he's playing Idris Elba's son. Because, like, that's... Now can they make Idris Elba this awesome AI? I want Idris Elba in Star Wars. We all want Idris Elba in Star Wars. He needs to play the tail on card analog. He'd be so good at that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Still my dream. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that brings us to Big's bullshit Star Wars film news, and episode eight has wrapped up the Ireland shoots. Yes. Uh, so I'm guessing they're back in London. Um, I don't keep up with all the spoilers and everything, so I don't actually know what they were filming in in Ireland. But I know Mark Hamill enjoyed it very much because he tweeted pictures of snack foods. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and also, um, there's been a lot of brouhaha lately about the Rogue One reshoots and how the sky is falling because they're filming 40, refilming 40% of the movie or some, something like that. Um, so it's not 40%. Go read Entertainment Weekly. They, you know, basically say, no, this was all planned. Oh, they're, no. They're refilming like little character bits and things and like flushing out different characterization moments. Like all of the funny bits from the force awakens came from the reshoots. Oh no, they're reef. They're using a tactic that major Hollywood films do (laughs) and are reshooting parts of the film and they budgeted time for that. Oh no, what a disaster. They want this movie to fail for some reason. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Whatever. This conversation's boring me now. Let's go on to Cammy's concerns. <laughs> Let's talk to Tom. That's not boring. Talking with Tom, which I still think should be a regular feature somewhere. Talking with Tom. Talking with Tom. <laughs> That's very nice, Brian. <laughs> I, I mean, if the, if the Star Wars uh, digital team can have their weekly, their weekly Star Wars, Star Wars show, show video, <laughs> we, we can have Talking, talking with, with Tom. Tom. <laughs> We need I don't to, think I have stuff to talk about every week. We need to film that at a celebration. Have this, like a actual live on camera talking with Tom. Every, every day. Just we'll a, ambush Tom at the booth and be like, hey, Tom, how's it going? And uh, the, the, the funny good. bit is we won't actually talk of anything of importance. I'm handing out books. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the talking with Tom at celebration. Okay. So, Tom, we've had you on so many times before, but we've never... We haven't talked much about actually like working at Delray and life at Delray and like working with Star Wars in general. And um, the other day you tweeted the story of how you got your internship at Delray. So we wanted to have you on to tell that story because I thought it was really interesting and um, quite uh, gutsy, if you ask me. Oh, thank you. Um <laughs> 
Yeah, well, okay. So so the reason that I did this was that um, last week was the five-year anniversary of my first day as um, an intern at Delray. And uh, what was actually funny about that is I think some people still actually thought that I'm the intern at Delray <laughs> because some people are like, wow, how'd you get a five-year internship? And I'm like, wait, do you guys not realize I do actually work here now? But that's neither here nor there. Um, Darth so, and Furnace was just too good of a uh, Twitter handle to give up. Well, and you know, you can't, you can't get a new Darth name. That's not how that works. Uh, no. Trust me, I asked about it. And they were like, nope, no, you can't have a new Darth <laughs> name. Um, so the whole, so that I said, you know what? Well, for five years, there's, you know, some like little stories that I think that would be fun to tell. And then also I figured, well, no one actually knows how I got this internship because I made a very specific promise not to tell anyone. And I was like, five years seems like, you know, the, the good, you know, statute of limitations for all this. So let me go ahead and tell the story. Um, so that, you know, I, I put out a tweet, I storified it. So if anyone wants to go back and, and look through, but the short, part of at least the start of it is I needed an internship for the graduate program I was in. And, uh, the rules of that was get an internship in whatever you want. Um, and it has to be for the summer and then you get like the course credit and stuff for it in the end. And I was like, well, I want to work at Delray. Um, I was the kid that when I was, uh, working as an accountant before I ever got into publishing and I was quitting my job, my boss there was like, why why are you quitting? What are you going to do? And I actually sat in my boss's office way back in like 2010 and said, I'm going to go work at Delray and work on science fiction, fantasy books, and I'm going to work on Star Wars. And I, that's flat out what I said to her. So it's a February like morning at like two in the morning and I'm in grad school. So, you know, up at all hours and I'm just looking around, looking for a way to email someone at Delray. Um, Random house didn't have an internship program that year because, you know, during sort of economic difficult times, the internship programs across a lot of publishing and a lot of other companies kind of faded away or were downsized because it's an easy way to kind of save money. And, uh, so I knew they didn't have an internship program and I actually stumbled across Shelly Shapiro, you know, editor at large for Dale Ray and for Star Wars books. I stumbled across her actual work email address that for reasons unbeknownst to me was printed at the bottom of an interview that she gave with some website. So I just found her work email just sitting out there on the internet, like page nine of Google results. And you never go Jeez. past like page two of Google results. But I went all the way to page nine that night because I was just absolutely like desperate to find any sort of general inbox. And uh, I sent her an email, attached my resume as a matter of recourse, just explained that I needed a summer you know, internship. I really wanted to work at Delray. I knew they didn't have internships. I was willing to do anything. And about a day later, Shelly emailed me back and was like, hey, um, you know, thanks for the email. Um, I, you know, I don't really know how internship, I don't really know exactly, you know, how that works. I don't think we have a program or anything, but I passed your email along and, you know, we'll see how it comes of it. And, um, you know, back and forth a couple of times for a couple of weeks. And it all led to me uh, getting them to, to have me in New York for an interview. Um, I lied and said I was going to be in New York for spring break. Um, I was in <laughs> Pittsburgh. I was going to grad school in Pittsburgh and, uh, I was actually going to be in Pittsburgh the whole time. I couldn't really, um, couldn't really come home and then go back and forth because again, grad school, grad student. Um, but I was like, no, I will be in New York cause my family's there. And they were like, okay, cool. Then we'll bring you in. Cause there wasn't a ton of urgency. Cause again, they don't really have interns. So I jumped on a plane at like six in the morning, got to New York, got on the bus, got on the subway, eventually ended up taking a ferry, you know, did all sorts of stuff throughout the whole day. You took every mode of transportation you could take. 
had this interview, um, offered to sit under someone's desk because they were like, well, we don't really think we could have you as an intern because we don't really have a lot of room. I was like, I'll just sit under there. Um, (laughs) you know, told them I read every Star Wars book they'd ever published, uh, and a whole bunch of the, uh, you know, original Dowry titles and, um, went back Pittsburgh the same night. It was like an 18 hour day. I was in the office for about an hour. I sat in the, in the airport for like four hours because there were delays going back. And um, the next day I went to the movies and I was sitting in the movie theater watching 21 Jump Street by myself at like 10 a.m. Um, and the phone rang and it was the HR person from Random House and they they offered me the, the internship. And so from basically a cold email and just asking, um, I ended up getting this internship um, that was the summer of the, you know, the, the summer between my uh, – uh, second to last and final semester in grad school. So that's the short version of how I got this internship mm-hmm. was I just asked and I guess no one had really ever asked before. Um, or maybe Shelly was just in a really good mood. Um, uh, whatever it was, it, that's how it happened. Um, oh. and so I was the, the summer intern. Um, so, so what, it was, yeah. What were you <laughs> going to grad school for? Uh, I was in grad school for professional writing, editing, yeah. publishing. Um, cool. Um, because I knew having come from uh, being an accountant, if I wanted to be an editor someday, nobody was going to hire me if I didn't have some more credentials to back that up. Yeah. Um, so then I ended up as the intern and it was it was crazy. Um, and the first day in the office, as I told people, my first day in the office was the day after Memorial Day, which is, you know, kind of the first day back in the office, the day after Memorial Day. And the same with like the day after July 4th is kind of a pretty slow day because it's either been a long weekend or people are still out because people are taking the longer weekend and kind of using that to jump off for a vacation. So it's a kind of a quiet day in the office. And I get there and they had nothing for me to do. Mm-hmm. Nothing. <laughs> so the, they handed me a copy of Scourge by Jeff Grubbs because it, it, it had recently been out. And um, I actually hadn't read it yet. It had recently come out. And uh, he, they gave it to me and they said, here, go read this at your desk. And when you're done, you can go home because we don't have anything for you to do today. We'll have more stuff for you tomorrow. But like, this is what you're going to do today. So I went back to my desk and I read Scourge. And when I was done, I brought it back. I handed it back to them. They were like, you can keep that. We have a million copies. Why are you giving that back? And uh, um then I went home. That was my first day on the job. I was like, oh my God, I'm the intern. Like, this is what I get to do. This is amazing. Uh, every day was not sit at my desk and read Star Wars books today. Um, but every day was pretty awesome. That would be a great day. It was. It was great. Nobody <laughs> bothered. Uh, you know, I didn't really get bothered. I didn't really, I didn't get asked to do anything that day. I still don't think half the people knew that I was there. Yeah. Um, so so we, uh, we, we probably should mention that if you're thinking about cold emailing Shelly, you're not going to find her email address anymore. Yeah. Yes, probably not. Um, I went and checked that uh, this the reason I never told this story. It was that I didn't want people to do that, not because I didn't want there to be other interns, but because I didn't want her to get inundated with with random emails. So I told I always told her I was like, I won't ever tell anyone, you know, for a while. I won't tell anyone the the story of how I got the internship. But I have checked that interview no longer exists on the Internet. <laughs> um, so if her email is, is out there somewhere, then then it's somewhere else. But yeah. Um, but man, if you get to like page nine of Google and you find my email or someone else's email, more power to you. Send us an email saying hello, like, because that takes effort. Yeah. <laughs> so how long were you an intern for? 
Uh, I was an intern for the whole summer. So from basically Memorial Day through mid-August, I actually left just before. That was the last time celebration was in Orlando, um, conveniently. Uh, but I didn't go to that because I actually had to get back to school a little early. So I was the intern Aww. that whole summer, basically up until they left for celebration. Uh, That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so how did you transition from... Darth Internus to Darth Internus. Well, to, from intern to full-time employee. Well, I was, so I was the intern for the summer. And then, you know, at the end of the summer, we had a lot of conversations and throughout the summer, we had a conversation about like, oh man, you know, is there going to be a, a position for me at the end of the summer here? Cause absolutely would love to work here. This is the dream. Um, and there wasn't, and that's because for, you know, in, in publishing, but in a lot of, a lot of industries, but in publishing in particular, you know, kind of tend to be smaller teams at times that you try to work as efficiently you can efficiently as you can. So just having an internship is not necessarily as a guarantee of full-time employment in some other industries, like for say in accounting um, and financial services, that's actually, you know, the opposite is kind of the truth that getting the internship is usually pretty difficult. And then once you get an internship, as long as you can perform, the chances of you getting hired full-time are pretty high or at least mm -hmm. much higher than they are in other things. So didn't have anything, um, but they brought me back for New York Comic-Con. I would do, I just hung around the whole, the whole, my whole strategy became, well, I'm just going to hang around and they're not going to be able to get rid of me. <laughs> and, the, and more importantly, they're not going to be able to forget about me so that the moment an opportunity comes up, I'm going to be the first person they think of. So I hung around, I would come back for New York Comic Con the next like three years and I would do little freelance projects for them on social media. I helped out with like Star Wars Reads Day each year. I did a whole bunch of things. I would just do little projects here and there. And every time I was back in the city, even, you know, if I was just in the city to like interview for another job that I wasn't going to get or something, I would have lunch with them. I would, you know, go out and meet them before I was going to maybe a hockey game, like get a drink with somebody. Like I would just hang out and be around as much as I could. Um, and eventually, lo and behold, a position opened up because someone else uh, left and uh, a position opened up and they emailed me and were like, hey, we've got this position open. It's basically your internship, but a full time job. We've got some other people we're considering. But if you want to be considered, you know, just say the word and, and we'll, you know, we'll add you to the to the group. Um, and that actually took, you know, that was I was the intern in 2012 and it took until 2014 for me to get hired. So it was basically a solid two years of, uh, okay. of waiting and, you know, like doing side projects and just again, hanging around. Um, people always like, people like to say like, well, you got to be in the right place at the right time. And that's nonsense. You put yourself in the right place so that when the right time comes along, you're there. Um, so I was just doing that and waiting and waiting. And I didn't know, I thought it might take like a decade. You know, I thought it might take the rest of my life and it only took a couple of years, but that was kind of just what I did. And eventually I was around, uh, you know, around at the the moment when they needed somebody and they were like, Hey, well, why don't we consider Tom? He's still here. <laughs> why don't we consider Tom? He's still here. We'll put that on your gravestone. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Um, and what's funny is during all of that time, I never actually met Shelly. Um, I knew Shelly as a voice on the phone and I knew her through email, but uh, I didn't actually meet her in person until the New York Comic Con two months after I started working full time. Yeah, because uh, she works remote, right? Yes, she is a she works remotely because she's Shelly and she's that's what you, that's what you get to do. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. if you're Shelly, you get to work remote. 
Yes. So um, I didn't never we were never in the same room until until that New York Comic Con. And it was very funny. She came around. She came down the hall and came around the side of my cube and was like, hey, Tom. And uh, that was it was it was very funny that we actually like finally were in the same room at the same time. Because even when I interviewed for the full-time job, I just talked to her on the phone again. It was just like another disembodied, you know, it was just yeah. still disembodied voice on the phone. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so we wanted to talk in general about tie-in fiction, but there's actually a really good post on Tor.com that kind of goes into just the process of publishing a book in general. And um, that's about um, The Winds of Winter by George R. R. Martin. And if you wanted to just go over that a little bit to kind of direct people where they can go to learn how actually sure. a book gets published. Yeah. And we'll we'll tweet it out to to the general populace and make sure that it's available. It's a post that came out la- um, came out uh, January. Yeah. In January. Um, and it essentially asked the question of. Is it possible that Winds of Winter, the the you know the next book by George R. R. Martin, is it possible that it could be co- sort of published in only three months in a very short amount of time? And the reason I'm recommending this article has very little to do with with Game of Thrones, Winds of Winter, and all that. Though I do actually work um, on George's books. That's like the other part of, part of my uh, the other part of my job, the non Star Wars part of my job. But anyway. The the reason I recommend this article is it basically goes step by step through the entire process that a book goes through to be published, starting all the way back at like the pre-manuscript phase, all the way to the point where you are literally printing and sending books to a bookstore. Mm-hmm. And there are some parts in there that are specific to like the Winds of Winter discussion. But if you are just interested in how book publishing works broadly and how a book actually gets made, like the mechanics, the step-by-step mechanics of how we go from, you know, your words sitting on a Word document somewhere to a finished book that I'm selling to you uh, or handing to you at New York Comic Con, this is this article is as good as any article I've ever seen. It is amazingly in-depth. It is amazingly thorough. Now, obviously, it doesn't really have the elements that specific tie-in fiction has. So the parts of also liaising with a third party and the, you know, like with Star Wars, you know, we work with Lucasfilm in addition to working with an author. Um, so it doesn't really have that, but just for understanding how publishing works, I would absolutely recommend this article because it is, um, it is amazingly thorough. It's one of the best articles I've seen about someone just breaking down the publishing process. Um, so I would just encourage everyone to read that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the tie-in piece just works that there's just a, there's an additional layer to it of, you know, all the same stuff going through, you know, also talking with whoever your, your, the third party happens to be. If it's, um, if it's Lucasfilm in the case of Star Wars books, or if you're working on a different license or something like that, you just kind of add a slight third party that works, um, mainly on a lot of the, you know, the manuscript, the book development, um, and, you know, is tied into like the marketing, the publicity and stuff. But I would definitely check that article out. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's great. The thing I thought was really interesting about this article is it's specifically focusing on how quickly could the book be published? Um, when in, in reality publishing, like the stereotype is that publishing takes so long for things to happen. Um, and like, I've always wondered is like star Wars books seem to, go a little faster than other books do mainly because of the whole tie-in nature and the fact like okay you have to get this book out for this like show or movie coming out and like that sort of thing so i 
I, I think it's interesting because it's, although, you know, Song of Ice and Fire is not a tie-in, it's still like a big brand. Yeah. So. yeah. But yeah, one of the big takeaways is there's a lot more that goes into it than a, than a publisher saying, hey, let's make this book, throw a bunch of my, uh, throw an advance at an author, get a manuscript and then print it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And actually the latter part, the very last <laughs> section of that article just talks about like, well, why isn't every book published really quickly? Like, mm-hmm. why does publishing work on a very on, on generally pretty long production cycles? Um, and it goes into like the actual hows and whys. And the short, 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 short answer is like, well, money, um, because <laughs> yeah. it's super expensive to publish something in only two or three months. Um, but it goes into sort of a, a, a broader explanation that um, I think is is helpful for people who uh, who are interested in learning exactly how good books get made. Because I think most people understand, have a sense of like editorial process or have a sense of like the writers, the author process of going maybe from either outline or concept to like a manuscript and revising. Like I think people kind of understand that or maybe that's what they're familiar with. But there's a whole lot of other steps and mechanics involved. Um, yeah. But we can also put a little bit of a Star Wars spin on this. You, you told us a story once about having to move the world to get the force awakens novelization the physical copy out when it got out i mean yeah we we wanted you know there's when you want to hit a certain date or when you want to fit into a certain schedule you do move heaven and earth in whatever way that you can um obviously if you tried to do that for every book you ever published you would a quickly just tire yourself out to the point that you couldn't do it anymore and be, you know, you would probably cause a whole bunch of other problems, but there are certainly moments and times when you just have, you are like, all right, this is an impossible schedule, but we have to make it happen because it has to happen at this moment. Um, and, and that, that was certainly, that was certainly one of those times when we were like, all right, we got to do this. We're going to do it. Let's do it. And then we did. So that definitely is one challenge that you've faced while working on Star Wars. Uh, can you tell us about some other huge challenges that come about working with a, you know, with a franchise like Star Wars that everyone knows about? And now everything counts. So it's all connected and everything is all, you know, wonderful. <laughs> well, yeah. well, the biggest challenge is working with some, with with something like star Wars are the same challenges when you're working on any book is you want to make good books. You just, you want to tell good stories and there's the added challenge of like every new book is another opportunity where you need to tell a good story or you need to try to tell a good story and develop some cool characters and develop an interesting, uh, you know, engaging plot that people are going to get sucked into and are going to care about. And, you know, with star Wars, you kind of have, a ton more scrutiny or eyeballs on it, uh, for any number of reasons and from any number of sort of avenues. But the biggest challenge is just sort of being worthy of whatever success you had previously. So, you know, every single time we finish a book, it's like, great next book we've got to do you know, we've got to do better. Even if we feel like we've done really well on a book, it's like continuing to be worthy of publishing with 
the license or publishing, you know, with the the characters and with the people that we do. Um, and it, that's the biggest challenge, but it's also the biggest and most fun opportunity is that every time we finish a book, we're like, awesome, that was cool. What are we going to do next? Uh, what are we going to try next? Like, what's what's our next story? What's our next concept? Like, how can this be different? How can this be better? Um, that's kind of broadly the, the biggest challenge of it all. Um, uh, you know, I, you, some people might think that like, you know, connecting all the little bitty bits of continuity and making sure that all the ducks are in a row and all that stuff is the biggest challenge, but really that that's not the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is just like gearing up every single time to writing the best book ever. And then when it's done doing it all over again, no matter what happened the time before, um, and then that gets that gets that gets challenging, but that's like also the most exciting thing because every single time out is a chance to write the best Star Wars book that's ever been written. And by write, I mean create. I'm not writing the book, um, <laughs> you know, to make the best Star Wars book ever. And yeah. then once we do that, just do it again, as if like, eh, yeah, we'll just do that again. Um, <laughs> that's the biggest and the challenges too. That you know, like you got to be, you know, to, you understand how important the stories are to people. It's the same as if you're just like, you're working with an established author who, you know, not necessarily licensed, but just like working with an established author who's got a big fan base. It's like you, you understand how important it is to everybody who reads the books or who consumes the stories. And so making sure that you're doing right by that as much as you can and making sure that you are appreciating your opportunity to do that. Like, uh, you know, the, the fact that I get to be the one who helps to make these stories as opposed to like the millions of other people who are just as qualified, if not more so to do it, who don't get to do that is mm -hmm. another big challenge. And like just sort of compartmentalizing that and then uh, like using that as, as fuel uh, is another kind of big challenge. Cool. So you, um, we wanted to ask you some of your favorite memories from working at Delray and you had one in particular that you noted down about yeah, well, one I, Cal Omos. Well, not just Cal, but we'll get to him. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it was working on the Essential Readers Companion, uh, which was the biggest project that I did when I was an intern. Um, it took up the most of my time. It was the sort of bulk of my summer there. And for, for anyone who's not familiar, the Essential Readers Companion was a book that Pablo, um, that Pablo Hidalgo put together, um, with us and with a host of amazing artists like Jeff Carlisle and Joe Caroni and Chris Travis and Brian Rude and Chris Scaife and Darren Tan. Um, and it was essentially, it's essentially an, ex, an encyclopedia of all of the star of most of the Star Wars storytelling up to that point with a focus on all the novels, but it also does touch on comic books. It touches on some of the stories told through gaming. It touches on some of the uh, like YA stories or other um, other storytelling. But it was basically like an encyclopedia of all the Star Wars storytelling up to that point. And, and if you haven't, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't look, at least flipped through it yet, you really need to go do that because yeah. it's great. It's yeah, it's widely available. You can you can find it everywhere and anywhere. It's a great big uh, trade paperback book. And each book has an entry and each book is in an order. And it's sort of not just the order of all the books like chronologically, but it puts them into their eras. And each book has a synopsis of what characters are in it, a little bit of a plot synopsis. And then Pablo gives kind of a half in-universe 
context for the book, half like behind the scenes. How does this connect to other books or how does this connect to these characters? Or here's a nugget of information about where this came from or the concept you mind the book. So it's, all sorts of cool stuff you might have wanted to know about Star your favorite Star Wars books, your favorite characters. And um, my job that summer was, A, I had to put together the indexes, and there are two. There's one index that is by author and one index that is by year. So I had to actually handwrite the page references for every <sighs> single book. Um, I feel you. And I had to do that twice. Um, which, when they gave it, I was like, oh my god, I get to do the indexes? This is so much fun. And they were excited because they are like, look at the intern. He has no idea how bad a <laughs> job we just gave him. He's just so excited. Um but I was, I was so geeked out about it. Um, <laughs> but then what I also got to help do was I did a little proofing, uh, proofreading of it, but I got to help do the art reference for a ton of the characters and scenes that are in this book. Because mm. what we did with the artists was the artists were hired to both draw um, some portraits of a ton of characters, including many who had never been given an actual sort of image this is true you know in any other sort of star wars material but also then to depict some really famous scenes from a bunch of the books um to give people you know like oh there's that amazing scene from you know uh uh you know the first uh bane book and there's an amazing scene from you know the third bane but you know th th that's just the page i'm on so it's just or the force unleashed um so my job was to do the art reference for a bunch of that so the art reference for the scenes was pretty easy. You just, whatever scene we had chosen, you go to that scene in the book and you excise the like relevant paragraph that describes it. And if there's characters in it that aren't like Han, Luke, or Leia, you excise, you know, you go get a piece of info describing that character. And if they're carrying or holding or wearing something really unique, maybe I would get the reference for like that type of blaster or whatever. And then the artist would conceptualize that piece. And so that was pretty cool. And that was pretty simple. The only uh, the only funny note I have about that is that there's one scene and it's uh, a scene from what books is it? I believe it's um, from the New Jedi Order. It's from like Remnant, Refugee and Reunion. Mm -hmm. It's the scene where like Luke and his delegation mm -hmm. end up on uh, Chisilla. No, and exactly they get the by, picture by you're Baron talking Fell. about. <laughs> yeah. So the funny thing about that picture in the books, that room that that meeting takes place in is never described. <laughs> the room is never, ever, ever described. There is not a single word that tells you what the room looks like that they have the meeting in. Oh. And uh, so I had to figure out what that room looked like um, by going back through and figuring out what the rest of the building they were in looked like and then kind of extrapolating. And we had to do this sort of like investigative breakdown <laughs> of what the heck does this room look like? Because the authors never bothered to, to actually describe it. Um, so that, that was like the one challenge there. But so there were a bunch of these characters and Cal Omas very famously kind of being one of them, a character who had never been, had a portrait in any Star Wars material. And this book was going to finally give us the official <laughs> character, first character reference. And I remember I went online and I was just kind of Googling some of the characters and looking up on forums just to see what people were saying about <laughs> the characters. And I stumbled across this like 50 page sub forum about Kyle Omos where there are all these people who were just like, they better not screw up what he looks like. And like had this just, you know, paragraphs after paragraphs of these intense discussions about Cal Omos and what he looked like. And so I actually got like nervous. I was like, oh my God, I better not screw any of this up. Like, you know, this is, goes back to like, you know, you feel the weight of the responsibility of working on these things, however big or small your part in it is. And so I went through and I'm like, all right, I got to find great description. This would be great. I'm going to be super Dylan. I'm getting every rep. And I went through every <laughs> single book and every reference he's in. 
And there's no physical description of Calvin. <laughs> there's like barely anything. There's a couple of words. Like, you know that he's older and is, I think it's, he's got like blue eyes and that's it. There's nothing. There's just nothing. <laughs> so through dialogue, literally through dialogue and through like other markers in the books, I had to provide reference to kind of like approximate what I thought he might look like based on like how he held himself, how he carried himself, his into like what I imagined he would, how he would be standing. And I would send all this reference over to the artists and then they would just kind of do their, you know, kind of figure out what he would look like and then we'd make adjustments. But that actually happened for a whole bunch of the characters, <laughs> which is funny because now whenever I'm working on a book, if we have a character, we have something that's not really explained. I am very acute about pointing out like I need to know what this person looks like and I don't know what this person looks like or I don't know what this person is like wearing or or I don't get a sense of where exactly we are here because I remember going back through these books and being like there's there's no physical description um Darth Bane in the third Bane book is not it's not described what he's wearing which you might think like who cares what he's wearing it's that's not important it's not all that important but we were depicting uh an image a scene from that book his battle with Darth Xana near the the end of the book the problem is the book never says what Darth Bane's wearing in that entire book so when it came down I was like okay what do we put him in I actually had to go back to the second book like to the <laughs> second half of the second book to find the last physical description of what he was wearing um uh so that that was like this massive crazy challenge for the whole summer to be looking at some of these scenes and characters who actually like wind dorvin if anyone remembers wind dorvin wind dorvin is actually described in a star wars book as being nondescript <laughs> that is the most perfect description of wind dorvin ever yeah he is actually described <laughs> in uh fate of the jedi omen as being nondescript. <laughs> and I was like, what what are we supposed to do? I actually what just are we supposed to do? Just found the picture with his little pocket. <laughs> yes. Um, so I actually wrote out as much as I could. I highlighted the nondescript thing, like I made a, a a note. And then at the bottom, I was like, based on everything I've read, I imagine he probably stands with square shoulders and like arms down at his side and kind of like a posing posture. And that was the best I could come up with for what he should look like because of <laughs> there's just no description. Yeah. Uh, so authors and, uh, you know, or would be authors describe your characters and describe your scenes. Cause you never know when someone's going to want to make art. Them. Um, or fan cast them. Like or fan casting, yes. Um, <laughs> the fan casting can also, you know, fan casting also helps. Yeah. But that was probably, that's one of the better, I mean, I, I've worked on a ton of great things and I get to work on a ton of great things all the time. I got to design that cool poster that yeah. was given out at the last uh, Orlando celebration where they were just like, make a poster about our books, the end. And I just <laughs> went crazy. Um, so that, that was fun. But working on the ERC was cool. And I didn't know that, Pablo was going to put my name in the acknowledgements. I, I just had no idea because I left before the last things were kind of finalized and I was in a bookstore and I saw the book and I was with some friends from grad school and I saw it and I was like, this is the book I worked on over the summer. And I was so excited. And I opened up and I saw my name in the acknowledgements and it got, got very emotional in the Barnes and Noble there in Pittsburgh for a few minutes. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, but working, so working on that was maybe the most overall fun I've ever had. Um, Telling people like, oh, God, Darth Bane's lightsaber is not curved. You know, the, the hilt's not curved in this picture. We have to fix it. Like getting to be super like, you know, detailed and nitty gritty about my like my little Star Wars lore stuff was, <laughs> you know, that was fun. Uh, oh, 
I I'm reminded of a uh, I'm look I'm I just googled and found a bunch of the pictures from uh, the ERC, and uh, I love uh, talent. Whoever is responsible for talent cards or outfit, man, that's that's quite the thing. <laughs> oh wait, in the book? Yes. <laughs> well, so that was the other thing, and actually, it's a good that you brought him up. He's a great example of it. There's a bunch of characters who had who who had the opposite problem of like Kalomas, where instead of having no descri- no description or having no prior visual representation, they had so much, and it was so varied. Mm. So that like you could Corrin. get. Like Corin or Wedge or even Talon, where there are just tons of versions of this character out here from a million different um, artists and in, in a million different you know ways, whether it was a book cover versus a comics interior. And so we would have to comb through each one and decide like, well, which one do we want? Both kind of like age and era wise and also style wise. So in Talon, I remember being one of those where we had like four or five versions of him and we were looking like which one, you know, like which version of Talon do we actually want? Um <laughs> represented in the book so that he was he was on the list of uh of people uh who was like we had to we had to make some like interesting choices about um about which one to choose same thing with like wedge where there was like there's like a million versions of wedge yeah and so we had to be like oh we want this one um so he he, talon uh presented the opposite problem one of my favorite pictures from that book is the um solo skywalker family dinner (laughs) With the giant pig in the middle? Yes. With the giant pig in the middle. Yeah. Because our two sit at the table <laughs> and they all just look so mad at each other. I'm just like, oh, what happened, guys? I mean, we've all had Thanksgivings that were like that, so it makes sense that space Thanksgiving is like that. And Han is pointing his fork at Luke and Leia's like, honey, stop fighting. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. And uh, most of the credit, a lot of the credit for that goes to Erich, who works, you know, is the head of, you know, in charge of all the production on the books and everything, because he really worked on figuring out what scenes we should have and then pairing up the artists. So he did he did awesome work figuring out uh, all the scenes from all the different books that we should pull, because with that many novels, you know, as many novels as are in here, there's, you know, close to 150 novels in here. Yeah, there's a lot of choices to be made. Um, but I encourage people to definitely still check the book out. It's it's easy to find. It's got some of the best Star Wars art collections of Star Wars art, particularly for uh, book characters um, and Legends characters that you'll find anywhere. Yeah. Uh, we actually have a picture of us at Celebration at the Delray booth looking over the ERC. Arish very nicely gave us a, well, not gave us, but let us look at a copy of it. So we basically sat at the booth for like an hour flipping through all the pictures. It wasn't even a finished book yet. It was just a proof they had there. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I remember we we like hot glue. I think I might have hot glue gun that proof together at my desk. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely go read that book if you haven't yet. Although I'm assuming everyone listening to this podcast has probably at least seen it. So hopefully. So do you have any other fun author slash convention stories that you can share with us? Um, so, I mean, the the best author, the best convention stories are that every year without fail, I get mistaken for a Star Wars author. <laughs> My name, every year, this happens every time. And everyone at Delray, like, we don't understand why it happens, but it happens. I get Is it I just asked, you or is it everyone else? It's just it? me. No, no, it's just me. Every, every year at a convention, somebody asks me, like, are you Jim Lucino? And if you've... <laughs> 
<laughs> like Google Jim Lucino. You're not even close. It, yeah. Uh, or are you Drew Carpishin? And or are you Tim Zahn when I was standing next to Tim Zahn? <laughs> Which was maybe the best one because I got to turn and be like, no, but he is. Um, and Tim had Tim had this like incredulous look on his face, like that just like so I don't that ha- it happens every year at conventions, and I don't um I I don't know why. I have no idea why it happens, but it happens every year, um, whether it's Celebration or New York Comic Con or C2E2. Um, I get mistaken for a Star Wars author. Um, as far as actual author stories, I mean, th- it's kind of hard to pick one because every single Star Wars author comes with great stories, whether it's talking about pogs with John Jackson Miller or talking about like the nature of evil at dinner with Jim Lucino or um you know, getting to uh, hang out with Chuck Wendig, like for the aftermath launch and, uh, you know, just like crack jokes with everyone and, and have a good time. But I will, I guess in order to actually sort of answer the question, I will pick one recent one, which was getting to, uh, walk through the costume exhibit at star Wars celebration last year with Alan Dean Foster, the morning we were going to announce him as the author of the novelization. And this is before anybody else knew. And we, we, uh, one of the people at celebration was very kind to let us walk through the costume, the small costume exhibit, um, in the morning before the show opened. Uh, let myself and Alan and a couple other people kind of walk through it before we had to like run downstairs to the booth and get ready for the show and getting to walk through that with Alan, who was there in the parking lot, as he likes to say in 1976, when they were, you know, like blowing stuff up in the parking lot to make the first star Wars movie. Uh-oh. Did we just lose Tom? Uh-oh. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Luke, Lucasfilm Snipers just took him out. <laughs> Hang on, this Tom. I'm going to bring you back into the call. Is a different, this is different from Robot Tom. Now we have Disappearing Tom. Hang on. Let's try that again. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh. Yep, there we go. You're back. Oh, no. Oh, no. What's happening? I blame Mickey Mouse. He said too much. He has said too much. <laughs> no, I'm back. <laughs> there we I go. I don't know what happened. I, we have robot. What Tom. was the last thing you guys heard? Uh, Alan Dean Foster in the parking lot uh, when they were blowing oh, stuff yeah. up. So yeah, yeah. So the short was that was just that being able to hang out with him as we walked through the costume that little you know costume exhibit that they had at Celebration Anaheim and get to talk to him about about the Force Awakens. Um, in that little exhibit when it was just like five people in there, you know, standing five feet away from the Kylo Ren costume and the BB-8 was probably, you know, is in the top five of author stories that I have. Um, that was pretty cool. And also, and how you announced him at the panel is pretty hilarious. That was, uh, Shelley's that was idea, Shelley, right? That was Shelly's idea about, <laughs> it was actually Shelly's idea that morning at breakfast. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we were having breakfast that morning with him and a couple other people and we were talking about it and... It was kind of Shelly's idea of like, oh, we should hide him and like have him come out and do this thing. And so then we kind of figured like, yeah, let's have him in the audience because that was right when I had heard from the story group panel about people asking <laughs> how they got in the story group. And I was like, oh, I've got th- th- this is how we'll exactly do it. And Shelly was like, yes, yes, that's how we need to do it because, I, you know, I was telling people about that question. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, so we came up with that whole uh, ask, just ask him if he can write, you know, just have him ask if he can write the novelization uh, and then bring him up. Nice. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
So, um, we, you did a, there was a hashtag on Twitter recently. A glorious, glorious hashtag. Yeah, who started, who started I think it was Pablo. Okay. (laughs) If it was Pablo, awesome. If it was someone else, that person needs all the credit in the world because that was amazing. I don't know who it was, but, um, so it's summarize SWEU and people were, you know, summarizing Star Wars books in a very humorous manner, of course. Um, Actually, if you looked through the hashtag, it was funny because there was, most everyone was being really funny about it, and then some people were being really serious about it. And I was like, ah, you can can see the difference there. (laughs) But, um, so you had several of them that no one was able to guess. Um, And so now, you are going to reveal the answers of them. Um, Yeah, and and I wasn't really doing this in any any real reason like I just started to think of really what I thought were really funny and ridiculous summaries (laughs) that fit and I was like I'm just gonna throw these out and after I threw them all out there and nobody could really guess them I was like well you know what if somebody guesses all of them I'll I'll send them like a giant package of books or something like that but nobody did Um, it's because you know more about Star Wars books than we do no that's that's not true (laughs) definitely not true Um, I I think my mind just works in a weird way that doesn't work (laughs) That's really, I think, what this is about. Um, So I did five of them. So a couple of people did get a couple of these right. Um, But when people were guessing, what I basically said was, unless someone gets all of them, I'm not going to say anything because I didn't want to make it, you know, I didn't, I wanted it to be same level of challenge for everybody. Okay. So, so shout out to the a couple of the people who tweet at me as you hear the answers. You can be like, oh, I got that one. So great job. Because right. some people got, I think, two of them. I'm going to write them in the show notes now so we can post them sure. tomorrow. So, so the first one is... If you talk to yourself and nobody's around to hear it, are you still crazy? And the answer to that is John Jackson Miller's Star Wars Kenobi. Ah! Because while it's not the whole book, the part of the book that the first time I read it resonated the most to me is Obi-Wan is sitting in the hut talking to Qui-Gon. And he has no idea if Qui-Gon can even hear him. He just, for all he knows, he's just talking to himself. And actually, over the book, it becomes him coming to terms with everything that's happened. The fact that he thinks at that moment that he's killed, um, you know, uh, Anakin Skywalker. The fact that he, you know, there's the, all the failure of of what happened to the Jedi Order is on his shoulders. And he he thinks he's just talking to himself. Um and so while obviously the book is so much more than that, and there are so many other characters and events that that you know, stand on par, if not above that in terms of the overall plot, those are the moments initially that really grabbed me so much. And so that, that to me summarizes that book perfectly. Um, that makes me sad that I didn't guess that. Nobody guessed that one. Actually, I was, I was, uh, actually, no, 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 I think one person might've guessed that. Um, all right. So the next one is worst episode of storage wars ever. Um, so this is Star Wars, the Old Republic Annihilation, ah. um, which if people were, that was the very first, um, I believe it's the first Old Republic book. Uh, well, technically, no. Anyway, um, it was, but it was a book about, you know, people from all across the galaxy, from basically every group in the galaxy being brought somewhere for some sort of weird auction that they don't really understand what it's for. And it ends up <laughs> it being for these like, super killer droids. Actually, our game is not inspired by it. <laughs> But there you go. See, that's that's one of the challenges about Star Wars. You're, I have this great idea, and you're like, Simpsons did it type thing, yeah. you know, where it's already been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that one is Annihilation. Um, the third one. 
Third one was which I think somebody I think somebody got and actually yeah. someone I think did guess annihilation. So good job. Okay. Dispute um, over proper cultivation of flower nearly dooms galaxy. Um, so this one is, is Star Traitor? Wars. Uh, no, it's not Traitor. Oh. This one is Star Wars Red Harvest, ah. the, uh, um. sequel that's actually a prequel to Death Troopers. That you know s- that you know is entirely sort of centrally about this black you know this flower, this sort of like black rose type flower, and its role in the you know quote unquote zombie situation that that occurs in in those books, um, and the relationship that that one Jedi character that Hezio has with the with the flower. Um, Uh, I think one person might have guessed that one. Yeah, I think I saw some people guessing that. All right. There's not a lot of Star Wars books with flowers, so you can that one you can kind of just break down. Yeah. Star Wars in the fall of House Slytherin. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so this is Darth Bane Path of Destruction. Ah. Um, because you know, Bane goes to the Sith Academy and you know it's all about Sith school that he ends up (laughs) You know, entirely destroying, you know, by the end of the book, basically. Um, So that's Bane. That's Path of Destruction. Um, I think somebody guessed that one. I think somebody did. Nobody. Nobody guessed the last one. And the last one I am so proud of. I am more proud of it than nearly (laughs) anything. It's okay. I'm really excited to hear the answer to this one. Actually, wait, that's not true. The thing I'm most proud of is after the fact I thought of summarize Star Wars EU as childhood ruined everything ruined because that would really apply to any book that anyone has ever not liked it would um, alright so this one is bad seed infiltrates group of cosplay enthusiasts nearly ruins group entry and summer festival and so this one is uh, there were a bunch of guesses for this this one was like all over the map <laughs> all over the map on this and nobody got it this is Scoundrels by Tim Zahn oh And when you think about it, it is so perfect. They spend that entire book, everybody, including Han, really, except for Chewie, spends that book in a costume or in multiple costumes. In fact, the whole part of that book is about them building tearaway costumes for each other. Summer Festival, the whole heist, and then there's the one bad seed who infiltrates it and almost makes everything go to, you know, go to heck. Mm, Yeah, and we won't spoil the reveal because... No. But that I was like, oh, my God, this is the best summary ever. And nobody got it. Uh, Oh, man. There you go. Yeah. All right. Good job, Tom. (laughs) We're proud of you. Well, and good job again to whoever came up with Summarized Star Wars U. That was a great, was a fun little, uh, that was a fun little um, hashtag uh, moment. (laughs) And good job to the people who guessed and got like two or three of them right. Because a lot of people didn't get any of them right. So good job for you guys. Very nice. Well, we have some Twitter questions uh, from oh, our Twitter. followers, listeners, and readers. Uh, so we'll start, and we, we, you actually hand-selected the ones you were actually going to answer. Yes. Uh, the one, well, there was one about my favorite book, but I don't pick my favorite children, so I wasn't going to answer <laughs> that one. And then there was one about, um, there was a really good question about if I could green light any, like if I just had the 100% authority to green light any Star Wars project, what would it be? Uh, I'm not going to answer that question because I actually have hope that at some point, sometime in the future, a, a concept that I'm quite in love with will end up maybe becoming a book. So I'd rather not say it out loud uh, at the risk of spoiling a book that maybe sometime in the next, you know, six decades or however long, you know, whenever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just going to hold that idea. I'm going to hold that back. 
but it's not because it's a bad question. That was actually yeah. a really good question. Do I you, think that was from Coop. Do you have a, like, can you answer what your favorite book is just like as a fan, not necessarily like one that you worked on, but like from before you started working on at Delray? Um, I think we might've really. asked you this before, but yeah, not really. Um, <laughs> I, cause I, a, there's quite a lot of them that I really like and it's for a lot of different reasons. Um, I, but to not cop out completely, I will say that, um, I Jedi will always have the most special place in my heart because it is the first Star Wars book I ever read. Oh, so we'll just have I Jedi would just be the answer for for that. Um, All right, because it is the very first Star Wars novel that I read. Okay, cool. All right, so question number one: Were you already a fan of Star Wars books before joining the team? So you kind of you kind of already confirmed that one. Yes, yeah. yes, I was. I I started reading them. You know, when I picked up I Jedi out of a a pile of books um, when I was probably in fourth grade or something like that and proceeded to just read through every Star Wars novel that's ever been written. Every <laughs> single one. Um, that's crazy. So, yes. Um, yes. Mo mo most definitely. But I was also a big fan of science fiction, fantasy in general, and a lot of the authors that um, Del Rey has published over the years. So it was not just Star Wars that that made me gravitate towards Delray because I was already a big fan of a lot of the other stuff that they'd worked on both in way in the past and more contemporary. Um, Do you have yeah. a favorite non Star Wars book that you can tell uh, us? The, my favorite non Star Wars book is the Hobbit. Okay. Very um, nice. Yep. Very simply. That's a, that's a, that's a good, good choice. It's a good pick. Uh, Solid choice. How does the team pick authors for a project? Um, we go on Twitter and see who's yelling the loudest. <laughs> no, that's not. I need to. I need to write caps lock more. <laughs> <laughs> um, or Chuck Wendig just squeezes the internet. Yeah, and he gets a Star Wars book. <laughs> right. uh, that was that was the greatest bit of serendipity ever. Um, it was. No, the the way it works really is you know whether it's it sometimes it's a project that comes along where like oh this author we've worked with before is perfect for this because it's characters that person is really great with or it's just like the the feel of that book or the tone we're looking for or whatever is just perfect for this person so sometimes that's just how it works um, other times it's when we're you know looking for new voices we just look around and we look for a people we know are interested in Star Wars because this might sound weird but not every author is interested in actually writing a star wars book mm -hmm. um so you know i know uh, i know one story about an author who was asked and declined because he didn't want to that was yeah uh, there's john john scalzi mentioned there's once. a couple of public stories about people who've just been approached at one time or another who have turned us down for one reason or another and they're all good reasons not like you know bad reasons necessarily mm -hmm. um so you know people who definitely want to write star wars is important and then it comes down to <coughs> Again, the type of book that we're looking for and then we read people's stuff. And if we find authors who we think, again, fit with the concept, then that's kind of how it works. I know that sounds kind of nebulous um, and it's not it's I don't want to make it sound like it's like, oh, it's a feel thing. You just have to like it just has to feel right because that that's just kind of like nonsense in general. Yeah. Um, but, there, you know, there's there's a balance between looking for people who can obviously write and have a track record of being, you know, successful as writers, whether or not they have previous experience with licensing is, you know, not required necessarily, but certainly that, you know, 
piques our interest if we hear that. Um, and then also, you know, what they can deliver and what they, we think they could bring to a project, you know, like in terms of their own voice as an author. Um, and that's kind of how we get there. Um, and we get recommended people all the time from either other authors we might have worked with or other people that we work with or, um, you know, just people sort of dropping us line being like, hey, I'd be interested if you guys have read a project that puts us on their mind. So mm-hmm. we kind of get you get recommendations from all over the place, um, you know, from everywhere and, and anywhere. And and just to specify, they it's usually always people who have written and publish books before on their own because you want to see how they can, how they work and what their stories are. Worked, uh, worked and published something, um, because, uh, it's not necessarily always a book. Um, but you know, certainly there has to be some sort of, there has to be some sort of corpus of, of actual published works that we can look at. Uh, Uh, Alex Freed was more in the uh, gaming writing sphere, uh, before he got Battlefront, wasn't he? Right. Like I believe Battlefront is his first book, but Alex had had written story for games for nearly more than a decade, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So um, and he had actually also done some short story work and some other things. But, you know, so, yeah. But again, there's like a you know, there's a track record of 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 working on on stuff. Um, but if people have questions, they can always ask us. Like we, we're always willing to sort of explain that. Um, of course, the one thing we don't ever do is, is accept unsolicited material. Um, right. So. No, this is another very hard hitting question. How many boxes of books does it take to build a fort? Um, it depends really, (laughs) because if it's, if, if we're talking paperbacks and those are pretty small, then the box is smaller. So you probably need more boxes. But if we're talking like, you know, boxes full of the essential readers companion or like the 20th anniversary heir to the empire or like the making of hardcovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then you need fewer. Um, we have built box forts at cons and <laughs> my desk is slowly turning into a box fort because I get, um, I get books delivered to my desk every day from all of our authors, whether it's foreign editions that come in that have to be forwarded out or boxes of new finished books, or if we're just restocking things. So my, desk at any one time might actually more resemble a box fort than it does an actual cubicle. Um, and there are times where I am literally boxed in by all of the books and I can't get up from my desk. People send um, you f- throw food at you. Uh, no, <laughs> they just are like, Tom, you got a lot of boxes. What are you doing with them? And I'm like, Oh no, I'm trapped. And they're like, move these. And then that's it. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, more harder question. What's the coolest author encounter you've had and what's the coolest fan encounter you've had? So author encounter, like I said, there's so many of them that have been amazing and awesome. Um, whether it's getting to hang around with an author and just kind of chat with them about life for a little, you know, time, whether we're like having an author lunch or they're just hanging out with us at a booth or, um, getting to watch all of our authors during signings at conventions is a blast because they are all, uniformly top to bottom sort of masters of the craft of getting through a ton of people in a short amount of time, but making every person feel like they spent an hour with them. Um, and it's, it's just like, it's an, it's a superpower. And I am very happy to say that basically all of our authors have that superpower. Um, and if you've ever been to, if you've ever visited us at one of our conventions and gotten to meet any of our authors, I think, I think people can realize that, um, because that's really cool. Um, uh, other cool author encounters I've had. Um, 
you know, whenever we get all our authors together in a group, that's just a lot of fun because they bounce off each other and they, they, uh, you know, kind of chat each other up about Star Wars and you get those like conversations going where you're all just, uh, you know, you're watching like John Jackson Miller and Jim Lucino and then like Chuck Wendig, like all have this crazy conversation about something in Star Wars and you're just, you know, just kind of geeking out about it. Um, haven't you gotten those two also to argue about the relative merits of, uh, star dates and star trek <laughs> that was actually john and leland uh, right she from lucasfilm who who had a, a very in-depth discussion about the importance of both star dates and relative uh the relative reference point of starships in star trek um i was really proud of that yeah but that was um one of my favorites was uh at celebration in the hilton lobby just um John Jackson Miller walks by, start talking. Leland walks by, and they start talking about Star Dates again. And I'm just like, start laughing at Tom, and I'm like, they're doing it again. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And honestly, who who better really to talk about Star Dates? Right? Than these guys. Um, as far as fan, uh, fan interactions. Jeez. Um, the first time, the the second time I went to New York Comic Con as working with Del Rey. And I was standing at the booth and someone came up to the booth. They're like, hey, you're Tom. Oh, you're back, man. It's nice to see you again. And the fact that anyone would remember who I was or that remembered that I had worked there and was the intern and was back, that that was really cool. That was really nice. Um, I I was kind of flabbergasted by that. And then it's just, I mean, there's tons of them. It's every time somebody comes up to the booth who's never read a Star Wars book before and just is excited and wants to know what our books are available. What are these books about? Like, do you guys have a book about this character? Like just, and who then starts to understand and realize that there are books about everything. Those are always great. Um, whenever people come up, you know, in the cosplay that they're doing of a character who is primarily a book character or they're doing like, no, I'm the book version of this character. I'm not the like TV, you know, cartoon version or movie version or whatever. (laughs) Um, all of that's awesome. I mean, getting to even just, I mean, I spend a good half of my day. I think most people know I run all the social media. I spend a third to half of my day on the internet talking to people about star Wars and we get sent the best, most awesome stories from people about like what a book has meant to them or about getting to meet an author, about getting a copy of something or about how excited they are for a new book. Um, and so all of that stuff's just the best. It's like the, the best sort of like pick me up you could ever need when you're ever having a bad day, um, is getting to just chat about star Wars books. So there's not really one that stands out. Um, yeah. No, I don't think so. There's a couple of with like some little kids who got like super excited about Star Wars books and like went running off with their parents that uh, are a little more memorable than others. But broadly speaking, I've only ever had really good fan encounters. Cool. Um, And do you ever get starstruck when authors visit? No, I don't. (laughs) Um, I got starstruck a little bit when I was the intern. Um, I actually had a little bit of difficulty talking to a couple of the editors um, like the first two days I was there, um, because I was just like so amped and excited. I was like, Oh my God, I get to hang out with these people. I get to work with them and that. So I was a little bit shy about like emailing them or going up to their desk to like ask them about work or like ask them a question. So that took a couple of, that took a couple of days, but, uh, no, I've never really been starstruck by meeting an author or having the authors visit. Certainly I was super excited the first time I got to meet all of the authors and every time that happens, um, whether it's an author we've worked for before, if it's a new author that I'm familiar with because of their other work, um, I get kind of excited, but 
No, um, I don't really get starstruck. I've kind of taught myself not to get too crazed when there's like a famous person around. Um, uh, just cause you know, I don't want to bother them. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I don't want them to be like, Oh man, I got to deal with that Tom guy again. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I, I don't really get starstruck by it, but, um, it is, it is pretty awesome. It's, it's undeniably cool when somebody like, you know, ADF walks up to you for the first time and just introduces himself to you as if, you know, it's normal. Um, yeah. I've had, I had that experience at one of the jobs I had, I had to work with astronauts and like one of them like came up to me and was like, Hey, like and introduce himself. Cause I'd never interact with him before. And he's like, so what do you do? And was asking me about grad school. And I was just like, you've been in space. Why do you care about what I do? <laughs> but yeah, it's cool when that happens. Um, so final question, what's it like, what's it like knowing the books that are in the pipeline and, you know, other things like movies and not being able to talk about them publicly. Um, (laughs) Tom, his hair is full of secrets. That's what I, that's what I have to say to that question. My hair is full of secrets. Yeah. That's mean, weird. You've mean never girl seen Mean Girl. Yeah, mean I know. That <laughs> sounds weird. Um, okay. Uh, I, I guess I don't really understand the question. Um, what's it like? I mean. Is I mean, it hard get, to keep secrets? And no. to keep. No. <laughs> Tom loves keeping the line. secrets. Yeah. It's easy to keep secrets because if I spill a secret, the three minutes of satisfaction you might feel about being able to be like, hey, here's the secret only I know and you don't quickly is overwhelmed by the fact that I lose my dream job. You yeah. know, that I just get fired. Um, and I'm, so I've, I, I never feel a compulsion to want to share any of the secrets. And honestly, I think that all of the stuff works better too when you see it in the final form. I think going back later and being like, Hey, when this was in development, X, Y, Z was going on or, Hey, this changed halfway through. I think that's cool in retrospect. I think it's cool to look at that later on, but I think that it, when, something is in the process of getting made. And this is my really just my own personal view on it. When something is in the process of getting made, I'm much more interested in seeing the final product, consuming the final product, and then maybe going back later and finding out about it. So I don't ever have the compulsion to want to share any of the secrets about stuff that's going on because it's not done, you know? Right. And as soon as something's done and ready to be shared, like we shout it from the rooftops and I'm the first one to be like, all right, can we tweet about this yet? Can I, you know, can we talk about this? I'm ready. Like, is this approved? Like, are we good to go here? Um, because a lot, you know, it's great to be able to share that stuff, but, um, no, it's never really uh, a compulsion to want to do it when, you know, it's not supposed to be, um, you know, and knowing stuff beforehand, you know, I guess it's cool. I guess I guess that's cool. I guess so. Um, you know, I guess it robs me of being able to kind of idly speculate about certain things at certain times when, you know, everyone else is getting to do that. I don't really get to participate that as much. But eh, that's, you know, it's not really it's not that bad. Yeah, um, it's but, a good uh, trade off. Yeah, it's a kind of cool trade-off. Um, and so, you like, actually, an example is, you know, like for Aftermath, I know that people are always interested in, like, covers and things like that. And, you know, the Aftermath cover and covers have gone through, you know, went through a bunch of iterations before we finally settled on what we were going to have. And so, actually, once we get 
the last book cover kind of finalized and set, me and our art director, uh, Scott, are going to actually do a little retrospective and we'll post this up like on all our social media and we'll solicit questions when the time comes. So we, we'll actually go through and show some people like what the sketches were for our Aftermath books originally before we ultimately settled on what became the final cover. Cool. And while all that's really cool, I think it works so much better to see it now after you've seen the final and after some time has passed rather than if we were just like leaking out sketches like every single week for like six months before we got to the final cover. Um, so we're actually going to do that in probably a week or probably a couple weeks. Ooh, um, very cool. We're going to do that. And so we'll show people like, here's the first sketch we ever did for the aftermath books. And no, it's, you know, it didn't end up being this, but this is the first sketch. And we'll, I'm going to talk to Scott about like whether or not we, you know, would have ever done caricatures of any of the characters, um, uh, or anything like that. So we'll talk about that, but no, in general, knowing stuff beforehand, it's kind of cool, but you know, it's part and parcel. It comes with the the territory of doing the job. Um, I would, I would think it would be harder not to just keep things a secret, but to try to keep everything like square as to okay what if what have we actually talked about in public before <laughs> oh well, no i'm very very careful about y yeah. that yeah i mean that that i mean as the person who's the point person on the social media yeah, stuff you you have that to is, know like it is my job to know what people do know and what people don't know yeah um because uh for for just that reason so that i don't accidentally share a title or an author or you know it's kind of hard to share a book cover before it's done because of the you know where those <laughs> files usually live and i have to request them and so that's actually kind of hard for, for me to screw up but yeah to to know like oh do people know that this character is in this book do people know like, for example like do people know that sloan's a grand admiral you know like uh you know uh you know which version of the copy are we on do they know this yet you know that that kind of thing um yeah, that's definitely something that I remain super cognizant of. Um, and that's why, too, sometimes I'll even be like, you know what? I'd rather be a day late on this than than a day early. Uh, so I'll be like, you know, what? we'll let it you know, be out there through other means for a little while. And then we'll 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 follow up just to mm -hmm. make sure that we're not jumping the gun on stuff, because that is the worst. Um, yeah. And that brings up another thing I know, because uh, part of your job is to you know, go on all the social media and do all that stuff. So if you're commenting on Star Wars social media, you're probably interacting with Tom. So be nice. <laughs> you are. And if I have deleted your comment on social media, it is me who's deleting it. Uh. Um, so <laughs> questions why I deleted something. It's me who's doing it. It's not some nebulous person in the cloud. It's not Disney. It's not Lucasfilm. It's not the it's powers not, that be. It's not the <laughs> powers that be. I love that people call us that. We are not the powers that be. Uh, <laughs> get a good laugh at it. Who but are yes. the powers that be then? I don't know. I, they might live <laughs> in the, in, they might live in the, um, in the safe under my desk that has all the incomplete manuscripts in it. Yeah. Guarded by the Sphinx. <laughs> there is no safe. There is no Sphinx. There are no incomplete manuscripts. It's a joke. <laughs> Wait, there's I, not Sword of the Jedi? No. No. Actually, what? I did, I actually did just think of something though that does make knowing stuff a little bit difficult is that my, um, my girlfriend, who has recently kind of really gotten into Star Wars in a bigger way than she ever was. Yay. And that's probably because she now knows me. Um, <laughs> but sometimes we'll be sitting together and she'll turn to me and go, did you know that? Do you know that? And Or she'll be like, what'd you do at work today? And I'm just like, nothing. When in actuality, it's like everything. But I can't, you know, can't tell you. Uh, so then she'll be like, I have secrets too. And I'll be like, really? And she'll be like, no. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> no, she does. She's awesome. I, I actually... Well, 
have one last question for you. Oh, no. Go. Uh, will the Merc team actually have to make a combat roll tomorrow night on of dice and droids? <laughs> um, that's up to them. I mean, really, it's up to them. They're not at all adept at doing any sort of uh, combat stuff, really. I think Sho is the only character who can actually really like hold her own in a fight. And so I don't I don't know. I mean. We'll see, maybe, possibly. I don't know. I'm so excited. Uh, I need to go prep for that. I should probably go write some notes and figure out what we're doing. <laughs> oh, they're just going to blow up your plans anyways. Why bother? Well, we still got to have some plan. I got to know what they're going to do when the first plans get blown up. <laughs> it's like plan one, when that gets blown up, plan two. <laughs> and they go left instead of right, plan three. Oh. Let's see. Last time they went to a day spa. Where are they going to go this time? I don't know. I don't know, but Sunny Wind Waker's hot on their tail. Oh! oh Sunny Wind Waker. All right. Well, that wraps up our Twitter questions and our uh, chat with Tom. Hey, Tom, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at Darth Internus. D- uh, Darth, I-N-T- E R N O U S. I don't know why I was trying to spell. Darth, <laughs> I hope everyone knows how to spell Darth. <laughs> yep. And then you can find me on all the Delray social media. And if people have questions about internships or jobs or careers or things like that in publishing, send me a, a DM on Twitter. Send us an email. I'm actually I have an email on my work phone right now from somebody who had questions about internships and emailed me last week. We get emailed about it all the time, and I can't like give anyone an internship or anything, but. We answer questions all the time. We have people come up to the booth at Comic-Con and stuff all the time, and we chat with people about careers and do informational interviews. So if you ever have a question about it, just send a message. Happy to happy to talk about it all the time. Very cool. Well, we will go ahead and wrap up there. A reminder, we are recording uh, episode six of Of Dyson Droids tomorrow. Tom's going to be back with us. And on Friday, mm. we've got a bonus of dry, Dice and Droids episodes that I episode that I'll be GMing so stay tuned fun times fun times all right uh let's sign off uh this episode of Tashi Station Radio has been brought to you in part by Her Universe and you our Patreon subscribers you can find us uh on Twitter with the handles Tashi underscore station that's the official show account you can find uh, Nancy with Nancy Pants that's Nancy with an I you can find me with Lane Winry L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E on Facebook we're the Tashi Station Network we're available on iTunes uh Stitcher and Google Play uh if you like what you hear do leave a review it helps us grow the show uh you can find our columns and news at Tashi hyphenstation.net thanks for listening to another episode we'll catch you all next time bye see you later podcast has been brought to you by Majestic Draft Productions and is the official podcast of TashiStation.net. All Star Wars names, music, and logos are property of their respective trademark and copyright holders. Tashi Station Radio is not endorsed by Lucasfilm or any division of the company. Now go pick up some power converters. Oh, 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 oh